Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. 72 episodes we've done. 72 is too much of anything. It's just like, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> We're just getting my started. God, isn't, that, isn't that like 8 times 9 is 72 or something? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, something, t- something, something, about something that. times nine is 72. Yeah, something, something going on there. <laughs> eight. I guess it would be eight times nine is 72. Just did, they, did they teach you to memorize the tables <laughs> yeah. when you were a kid? That would just be from memory. Well, we have bigger fish to fry because we're sitting here with Chuck Prophet. Chuck Prophet. <laughs> we're yeah. in a hotel room in Jersey. The town of Jersey City. The town of Jersey City. And you're on a big solo tour, right? I'm doing a couple weeks. Days, yeah. yeah. How long has it been so far? Um, I think I'm about five or six shows into it. How's it going? It's going great. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I've played uh, Houston, Dallas. Um, Where'd you play? In I Dallas? had somebody storm out in Dallas. Of uh, four people wanted their money back. That's always a good sign. And I What'd was like, say? "What happened?" Well, I, I just have a song. It's called "Get Off the Stage," and and the woman was offended. And um, you know, I, I I said, "Well, honey, I I offended." I about- would like to think that you know enough about me to know that I'm not a fan of kids in cages. Or like, what you was know? what's get, the lyric? What's the lyric? You want me to play it for you or something? Sure. Why not? Here. <laughs> I mean, I... I mean, you are a singer. So you can cut it out. this fantastic if, if, if guitar. Bo- if it's boring, you can cut it out. Well, me, I'm just one man Up on the stage, I make my stand Well, it's true, I have a band up here behind me while you you've got your crew and the secret service too and your wife from the EU but you're no good at rhyming so hey why don't you get down off that stage We've heard everything you've got to say You've been calling all the shots You got us all tied up in knots Come on, man, just get off the stage (laughs) Well, me, I spent half my life In that Econoline van with my band and my wife and when she steps up to the mic I seen grown men burst out crying while you you've got an ugly mouth you got no heart at all except for your Russian pal (laughs) you're an obstruction in democracy's bowel and the patient is dying. So hey, why don't you come down off that stage? Please, sir, get off the stage. Come on down and grab a seat. 
We'll put some John Prine on. Repeat. All we're asking is, get off the stage. Now, if you was an automobile, you'd be out of gas. With four flat tires and a smog check, that's never going to pass. If you were a pair of socks, you'd be full of holes. You're one bad hombre. So, hey, why don't you turn around and go home and maybe do something with that hair? Take a walk in the park, man. Visit a renaissance fair. <laughs> You're going to prison, you know. But don't be scared. The first time is the hardest. Just relax <laughs> and get down off that stage. Please, sir, get off the stage. Come grab a book off the shelf. Just try to love somebody else. Whatever you do, man, just get off the stage. <laughs> get off the stage. Fantastic. Wow. All right. Wow. What I love about it is it could be about a lot of things. Like it's well, the, the one best that, protest that part, songs. The last part. That part you can also personally relate to. Like you know what I mean? Like, sure. It's not just like this thing at towards, you know, this figure. It's also towards yourself. I think uh, it's polite. I, I say it's please. It's I say please. It's fantastic. You know? It's like come on. Even if you uh, even if you like Trump. That's a fantastic song. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, well, it's yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. It's like so like And and why wasn't this woman outraged when, you know, she said that I disrespected the president oh, and, and she said that she brought her grandmother. He can, he can handle it. She, and so she, can, and so can your grandma. Yeah, yeah. And, and she she had, she had brought her grandmother and I was like, "Well, you brought your grandmother." She goes, "Yes, I did." I said, "Did any of you bring your sense of humor?" Oh, that's <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> that is ridiculous that somebody would uh, yeah. I mean, their, I'd be want their money back if they want to leave. Fair enough, but you can't have your money back based I'd, on that jam. Sorry, I'd be lying if I if you said said you I wasn't a little money. proud of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's that song called that you just played? It's called "Get Off the Stage." That was a great song. <clears throat> Is where where's that at? Is that out yet? It's going to be on a new record coming out in May. Okay, great. And that's the one... I've got three presidential songs on that record. High is Johnny Thunders. Is that going to be on that too? That's, that's right, That's a yeah. fantastic first single. Oh, good, good. And I like the cover. Oh, fantastic. The blue cover. Is that going to be oh, the album Oh, no, no, cover? that's just the single. Yeah. That's a great album cover, oh, though. Well, thank you. Looks cool. Thank you. You're a visual guy, so I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, you should consider that. I don't know what you're going to choose oh. for the cover, but I was like, when I, I, when I saw that, I was like... Oh, that's good. I've got a Jim Goldberg photograph that's really captures the record. It's kind of okay. a great best of times, worst of times yeah. image. You'll see it. Okay, cool. And you got three presidential songs on it? Yeah, I got three presidential songs. Yeah. Is Yang Gang one of them? No, no. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. No, right. I mean I've got I've got one uh I've got uh, an Abraham Lincoln song. Mm -hmm. It's called Paying My Respects to the Train because when Abraham Lincoln was killed they put his body on a train and they shared the schedule with newspapers so you could I think it went back to uh, they went back to Springfield or something mm -hmm. from DC so you could stand out on the tracks and you know pay your respects to the train as, as Lincoln's body went by and so that was one song 
called Pay My Respects to the Train. I love how you train. dip into history like that. I've also got a song called Nixon Land, which um, started out as a song. Well, I was born in a town called Whittier, California. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in a town called La Habra, which is right next to it. It's right, in a, right on the edge of the Orange Curtain, Orange County. Mm-hmm. And um, literally my fourth grade class took a field trip once um, to the the home of Richard Nixon's first law office. That's so funny. And it was like a memory that I had and um and I thought about it and then I and, and I wrote the song and everything. I mean, um I I ended up looking it up on the internet and and they said there was a big to do in the 90s about what are we going to do? They want to tear the building down. So they took some of the bricks and they built this monument with a plaque. This is the home of Richard Nixon's first law office. So That's cool. I don't know. It's just So my, Nixon land. Nixon land, yeah. What's how's that one go? You know, I mean, you know, you know, I'll, just, I'll just give you one verse. I'll just yeah, give you one yeah, verse, yeah. you know, yeah. So it's a, just last night I, I fantasized I was in a time machine. Walking hand in hand with my sister there along the San Clemente Beach. My fourth grade class took a field trip once To pay tribute to the man Did I ever tell you that I was born In the heart of Nixon land Woo! <laughs> you know, it goes on that. It goes right on here. like that. That sounds great. <laughs> I love it. It's a kind of a dirgy sort of... Uh, uh, there's a word for those Mexican border songs that mm-hmm. are all about gangsters. I, I got to find that out. Get that in the bio. So make my make me seem smarter than yeah. I am. El Diablo. <laughs> yeah, there's some kind Dangos. of. Yeah, there's know. some El kind Diablo. of. Yeah. We'll get a, We'll get somebody Tango. on that. We'll know. get somebody on that. I'm trying to make some. We got a fact quick. checker in our budget? Yeah. What yeah. Do you need? Getting, <laughs> we want to get this going on. What do you need me to check? What Look it up, Ahu. What am I looking up? Is there? There's a type of. Um, a Mexican song, a Tejano, a Conjunto, whatever, and it's a specifically a songs that worship gangsters. You know, hmm. okay. Generally, in the first verse, a guy leaves his small town and he becomes a drug dealer, or hmm. a you know, and he gets rich. The second verse, he gets the girl, and then the third verse, he dies and he's risen up to heaven and mm-hmm. reunited with Is, his family or something. It, okay, you know, it's there, called a, a narco corrido. Okay. okay. Does well, that sound right? I love it. Tell me more. Is a subgenre of the regional Mexican corrido genre from the style of gangster rap and sounds better in your yeah, Israeli accent. <laughs> we should be I, in Mexico I don't think that's right it. now. I would love it. That's like when we met. We were in Todos Santos. Yeah, is it January? Ah, uh, it is, man. Uh, Why aren't we there? Uh, I don't is it know, happening? Man. I thought it's they ha- stopped it. Well, no, it's it's. Uh, I think it's on somewhat of a pause, but it's like uh, Todos Santos is still there. And you're both surfers, right? Well, he oh, is. He is. All oh, right, Chuck I, I've is. You've tried, tried it like a few times <laughs> with yeah. him, actually. I once, once or twice. Yeah, it was a wonderful festival. I mean, Peter Buck was really responsible for it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think what happened, if you, to give some history, I think Peter, after R.E.M. kind of uh, folded up their <laughs> tent, you know, mm-hmm. he he wanted to get out of those Seattle winters and mm-hmm. bought a home down in Baja. And it took at the time, it was like a long, gravelly 
trek to get there. Yeah. Do you remember that? There wasn't a proper road or anything? Yeah. And I, I think Peter was down there, and he was enjoying the sun, and, and he thought, boy, you know, the only thing that can make this better is if I had some of my friends here and we were all playing music. And so yeah. that's what happened. That's what happened. Yeah. Me and you and Kevin Kenny and Peter and all his various uh, side projects, the baseball project guys, Scott McCoy. Mm-hmm. Steve Wynn, Robin Hitchcock, yeah. So yeah. we ended up playing in the courtyard. The first year, we ended up playing in the courtyard of this hotel. It was barely a stage, you know. It was hotel like, California. Yeah, it was like six inches off the ground, and the PA <laughs> literally <laughs> called Hotel California. Yeah, I remember seeing photos. <laughs> and, and, like, what is going on over yeah. there? <laughs> and the PA was like what you might have at a wedding or something. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I don't think we put any mics on the amps or anything. Mm-hmm. And it was it was really great, and then you know it just kind of grew from there. Yeah, until to the point where, like last year, I actually got an apartment and I stayed three months there. I was gonna and I was gonna move there. Are you serious? Yeah, I was gonna move there. I was like, I got out of the rat race. I'm just gonna live in Baja, and when I need showbiz, I'll go to L.A. It's two hours. Is that what happened? That's what happened. And then I should be interviewing you, right? And then I came back, and Ehud was like, "Let's start this podcast," or I was like, "We want to do this podcast." He was like, "Yes, I'll do it." And so I was like, okay, then fuck it. I got to stay in New York. So in the so last year, you've done, in the last nine months, you've done how many episodes? This is episode 72 of this podcast. Does anybody even watch this? That's uh, 72. <laughs> that's too much. I don't know if anybody's watched We're all twice of them. A, we put episodes out twice a week. Twice Tuesdays a week. Tuesdays and Friday. We might cut back to one, but what right are you, now we What have, are you, like interviewing your dry cleaner? And what, do, what are you man, doing? The list man, is we got Chuck Profit right now. Yeah, the list what? is... Uh, one we just dropped was Harlan Coben. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's still, uh, Robin, it's still getting Robin legit Hitchcock ones. We've had. We've had a, a like. Okay. Well, don't start bragging. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you're, you were putting us down there. <laughs> you're, for making, a second. you're making come me. On, you know, you're on, making me feel uh, small oh, now. Oh, oh, dude, you're no, one, no, you're no, a huge. You're an no, epic no, one. For a lot us. of people. <laughs> this is a big get for us. Chuck Profit. Are you kidding, man? Alejandro was on and spoke about. Okay, that's it. Of course, now it's perfect. Alejandro. So you wrote half, or you wrote co-wrote Real Animal. That's, yeah, that's right. What a breakthrough record that was with Tony Visconti producing. Yeah. Um, what do you want to know? Yeah. I don't know. It just seemed like a segue since he brought up Alejandro. Before. Yeah. I mean, we wrote it. Alejandro and I spent, <laughs> we, we spent like a year uh, going back and forth between his place in Wimberley, Texas in the Hill Country and my sort of shoebox office space in San Francisco yeah. uh, for over a year writing this record called Real Animal and, yeah. uh, you know, cut it with to- the great Tony Visconti of yeah. T-Rex and David Bowie. And, yeah, it was a cool record for Al and got out there. And, uh, I mean, it's probably the it was probably the happiest year of my life, really. Really? Yeah, when I think about it. Because of working with Al or just because of life? Life, you know. I mean, it was clicking. We Whenever we got together, we always got something good. And, mm-hmm. and, and if, you know, uh, we never ran out of stuff to talk about. And... And like I tell people, if we didn't get anything, then, you know, we'd just lay down on the carpet and Al would get out his vaporizer and, you know, we'd <laughs> put on some Mata Hoople and, you know, take naps. You know? <laughs> it was a happy time. It was happy times. Yeah. Oh, my God. That record broke through, too. I didn't even, I, I heard of Al through that record. I didn't, oh. I didn't know of him before. Yeah, that. it was fun. I mean, the, you know, one of the funny things about, spending that time with Al was that, uh, you know, he's a proud guy. And every time I ask him something, you know, he'd have like a you know, nice guitar. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, God, you know, 
gee, how, you know, where'd you get that Collins guitar? It's so nice. He goes, oh, bro, you know, they, they gave this to me. <laughs> so, oh, I, I see, you know. And, uh, and then, uh, <laughs> and then, and then, and then later, you know, he had this, he had this great like Barbados suit. Oh yeah, John, John gave this to me. Said, oh okay, you know, case closed, you know. And then, um, so so after the nice underwear after the record after the record came out, um, I was on tour and uh, I was in uh, Italy with my band, you know, and we were playing and. Um, Gothenburg, Sweden, you know, and mm-hmm. we did our sound check, and and the promoter comes over to me and he says, he says, hey man, um, I noticed uh, that you uh, like to wear these nudie jeans. I said, oh man, I love nudie jeans, man. Not cheap, but we all love them. He says, well, that's that's cool because that's interesting because the nudie flagship store headquarters is right here in Gothenburg. In fact, mm-hmm. the woman that designs them all is from here. She's Swedish and. Um, she said, "If you guys would like to come by the store later, um, you, you can cool. pick out some clothes." And we said, oh, "Now we're talking." You know what I mean? So, so, so you know, I'm having my moment. You know, right. and so we we play the gig and and like at midnight, you know, I said, "Come on, fellas!" And you know, I'm a big man. I usher my band in there, and we all go in there. We're all picking out clothes, and and I got some jeans, and I got a jacket, and. Uh, and I was feeling pretty good about myself, you know. And so as we went back to the hotel, I remember like I was in the elevator and I was like composing an email to Alejandro. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I was like dear Al, you know, tonight in Gothenburg. Well, let me see here. So anyway, I get in the room. I, I throw the laptop open, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I might as well check my email and check the email and it's and there's an email from peter blackstock you know the editor of no depression and it says uh hey man uh you might want to check this out and there's a link so i click on it and there's like a youtube video pops up and it's alejandro and bruce springsteen at the enorma dome you know uh, <laughs> 30, people singing, a, singing a duet mouth to mouth you know what yeah. i mean and and i'm like can't be I'm like guy. you know, I'll, it's, I'll wait it's with like my story. Cool hand, Luke. Just go down. Yeah, just give up, man. Just go, you know. Man, you, you can't win. You know? Yeah. So I don't even try anymore. Cool hand, Luke. Just go down. Go down, Luke. That's funny. Yeah. You remember the fight scene in Cool Hand Luke? <laughs> I mean, I mean, he not just, that many folks can rem- just reference that. He y'all. just wouldn't go down. He wouldn't go down. No, it was like when. That's when he won the whole prison over. It was like when Bruce Springsteen was trading licks on that uh, black and white ball, the um, you know uh, Roy Orbison special, mm-hmm. and James Burton's just got that Paisley telly, and he's like trading licks with Bruce, and Bruce, says, you know, and I was like, Bruce, just. Let's go down, <laughs> go down <you> know? <laughs> it's, it's James Burton, you know. They, right. That's why telecasters were invented. You yeah, know? you got you, you know you got a Swiss Army knife. And you're <laughs> How many eggs did he eat in that movie? A lot, fifty. Yeah, a lot. Was it fifty? No, I'm glad that you remember the scene. Yeah, oh yeah, that's the part. The fight yeah. scene is less memorable, I feel like, than eating the fifty eggs. If it's fifty, or was it a hundred? I don't remember, but it was a lot. It was a lot. I just remember when he was over the two guys and his belly was all like, apparently Paul Newman drank like a case of beer a day. I don't get it. I think Redford also was a hardcore. I, I mean, I don't. I think there's like I, 10 years of Redford's life that he doesn't remember. I mean, if 
you know. Go ask him when you get to Sundance. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. I, I, I don't get how you look good. Says 50 I, eggs. Fact check. Okay, oh, excellent. Eggs. Thanks, hey. Who, yeah. All right. Uh, I was wondering why you kept this guy around. Oh, man. This guy. <laughs> this guy's the, the engine of everything. Uh, it, was yeah, a, so, it was a bet. Yeah, down it. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Have you ever seen Cool Hand Luke? No. Uh, <laughs> everybody like, watched that immediately. Hey, that's one of the best. Stop, stop imposing your math on your kid and show him Cool Hand Luke. You Come know, on, yeah. If you care true. about him, I, at all. I know the that's name. True. I've never seen the movie. I agree. I agree. That's one of the best movies ever. But so yeah, I am going to Sundance. I told Chuck down in the lobby. I'm like, oh, so I'm heading to Sundance tomorrow. Tomorrow morning. And Chuck was like, yeah, I was there. And then he had this whole, whole story he started telling. I was like, nah, man, tell it on Why the podcast. Why don't we tell it, yes. Um, well, I, I, It's also got Harvey Weinstein. Well, yeah. Yeah I, had a song, I, yeah, I had a song in a movie called Teeth. And it was a kind of a horror movie slash comedy um, about a young girl who has teeth in her vagina it's actually oh, really? there's actually a latin term for that i think i used to go out with her no oh, <laughs> come on it's a Easy, joke yeah. it's a it's a and, joke and it was, and it, was, it, was it's it was direct joke. it was direct we edit that out anyway yeah, yeah anyway it was <laughs> mitchell okay. lichtenstein okay had directed this film and i had a song in the closing credits you know prime real estate and that is prime real estate. <laughs> and so i went to sundance to take the ride with them you know and and i played a gig and um yeah they showed the film during once during the day and it was eh, you know got a pretty cool response and then they um showed it at night and it just really connected and it was a you know really really wild wildly you know, appreciated uh, young audience. And uh, mm -hmm. so later um, they ended up in a hotel room with Harvey Weinstein and they were trying to hammer out a deal. And then they were, they call, literally called at three in the morning and said, are you sure that we can use this song? Because I think Harvey was, you know, hammering out the deal. And if I find, you know, that these songs aren't cleared, heads are going to roll, I'll come in, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so they were calling everybody, are you sure? I, said, I, I don't know, I mean, I think, you know. <laughs> So anyway, that's a little bit inside business with licenses, and sometimes somebody may license a song for a film for a festival, but only for a festival, and that's one fee, and then, and then yeah, you know, and so that's for a festival. This is inside baseball, and and uh, yeah. was it a good payout for you? It was okay, you know, it was a small film. I was happy to be a part of it. Sure, that's cool. You had a closing yeah. credit on Shrek mm -hmm. too that I wrote actually at Sundance when I was really? there last time yeah Crazy. yeah I was there in Shrek the movie Shrek yeah, 2 Shrek, the movie. Shrek 2 yeah the final you're, credits you're so true yeah people still request that that's great yeah I didn't know that they asked me to write yeah they asked me to write uh, here let me see the guitar alright they asked me can to write can I tell a funny story about they it they asked me to write a strange love song well they were telling everybody to do that I, I think I remember that so I wrote like I'm strange and you're strange Don't want you to change No way ah How can I explain Flying to the sun without a plane When you're here ah So don't don't you worry about me, babe Don't you worry about Cause I'm, I'm right here for you to say 
wonderful. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote it. I wrote it there. I wrote it like. Uh, because sometimes when they say, like, hey, write a strange love song, you just go straight down. You just do, like, I'm strange and you're strange. The, I, I was going to say that. You know, I, I, was, I was. Let I, me put some thought into this. You know, I, I was going to say that uh, because, uh, you know, after 9 11, mm -hmm. um, there was a tip sheet going. I was in, you know, I'd done some staff writing in Nashville, you know. Right. And I was in Nashville and there was a tip sheet going around and it said that Winona Ryder was looking for a song mm. along the lines of. You know, uh, what the world needs now. You know what I mean, remember? Love. And so what the world needs now is, you know, love. Yeah. And so, um, great Burt Bacharach song. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so everybody was trying to, you know, what would that be? And then the, the songwriter, Brett, I can't remember his name. He, he wrote a song called What the World Needs Now is Love. Right. And we're pretty sure that on the fade, <laughs> <laughs> we're pretty sure that on the fade, he even snuck in a little... Sweet love. <laughs> <laughs> he went straight and, down the middle, and nobody was bothered by it. Right? You know? <laughs> yeah. You know why? You know everybody <laughs> wants they want to complicate things, Joseph. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. like less is more. Or something, yeah. What's you know? a tip sheet for? Is that? I don't know if the if the word is a tip sheet. I, I might not be using the right. I think that's maybe something you There's use with a racing form. There's yeah. Requests to oh, come what, in. What people are looking for? Yeah. And then yeah. you just try to come up with it and try to pitch yeah. it? Yeah, you know, um, somebody's going into the studio looking for songs that are positive. Or, are you a fan of Iggy Pop? Oh, absolutely. Man, I just watched this BBC Six concert he did recently, like yeah. real recently with his new band, this trumpet player and this, this new like young band. It was the best thing I'd ever seen. Like, it's unbelievably good. Yeah. Like the, the fact that Iggy's still just killing it. Like he looks great, he sounds great. He's no, just, he's the man. You know, I mean, there the there have been so many he's, moments. There have been so many moments in history where it's, it's just it's just Iggy. You know, I mean, it yeah. all goes back to Iggy. I mean, I mean, it, it, I have a personal you know connection to him because you know you might find this hard to believe, but you know I used to come home from school. Yeah. Maybe eat some graham crackers. Watch TV. <laughs> watch TV. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. I would come graham home from crackers, school. It's great time. Maybe eat some graham crackers, and and I would watch TV. Rebel. I'd watch TV with my mom, and she would do the ironing, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, we used to watch like Merv Griffin or Mike Douglas or whatever, you know. Right. And literally, David Bowie and Iggy Pop come on the Dinah Shore show. Right. You know, and um. And, oh, and yeah. he, yeah, and he's charming her, you know. Yeah. And she's saying, "Oh, Jim, you know, you hurt yourself on stage. I hurt other people too, you know, <laughs> or whatever, you know." Yeah. And, and they're really, they're really flirting. And then, yeah. and you know, I was way off into Bowie at the time, and yeah. and so Iggy gets up and plays with the Sales Brothers, and he rips his shirt off, and he's contorting, you know. And it's just, it was just like one of those moments, you know. I didn't play guitar. I didn't. I wasn't a musician. I didn't know anything. All I knew was that. I was going to do whatever I had to do to hang out with people like that. That was kind of my goal. That's funny. You know? And then when, and then I, I remember everything about it. I can remember the news cap hat that Bowie was wearing and everything. And then like 10 or 15 years ago, whenever YouTube came around, I, I, I was talking to my wife, Stephanie, and we were driving in the car. I said, hey, when we get home, we should check out this YouTube thing. I wonder <laughs> if I'll find that. And of course, I, the clip's on there. And it's like exactly like I remember it. Yeah. So, you know. Do you ever wish, like, when you first heard about YouTube, like, oh, I should have started a YouTube channel? And I'm not good at stuff like that. 
Why do you say that? You're so good at stuff. No, like that. I mean, I'm. I mean, you're so I, good I, at I know, talking. I man. know what like, I, dude. You're like actually one of the best at it. I'm. I know what I'm good at, and I know what I'm not good at, and I'm not good at like you're, feeding and watering some ephemeral thing. I mean, I'm just trying to make a decent record every two years, mm-hmm. and that's everything I got. You know, really. And then go out and do the hand to hand combat and. Yeah. Give it the college try out there and then, um, you know. What do you mean feeding and watering some ephemeral thing? Well, because it's like you got to you gotta have a password. You got to go do, you know, you got to become, <laughs> you, gotta you know, you know what password. I mean? It's like, it's like my. That's like I'm out. You got to have yeah, a password. No, no. I'm out. I mean, I, 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 I had a four track, you know, cassette recorder that I used to use <laughs> and I would mock up songs. And then I was talking to a friend of mine. I said, you think I should maybe get some kind of pro tools or something? And he said to me. Uh, let me ask you this, you know. He said, Chuck, do you, do you love computers? I said, no, I'm I'm terrified of them. He goes, well, maybe it's not for you, you know. Do you like reloading software? Do you think it's interesting? I don't And I'm I like, no. Ba- I think so, that's bad advice. So I, never, so I never did it, you know. Well. Okay. But, I, but I can record, you know, um, something. Well, the, another question would be, do you like having access to, like, ways to make your music sound even better and more realized and being more sort of independent where the computer aspect of it kind of disappears usually for the most part. I'm not a one-man show, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm just not a one-man show. I I don't like, you know, make my own records, you know. I mean, I... There's nothing I, I like to fight with a band and yeah. push somebody to push against and push back. And I mean, you know, I mean, well, I just made that record with Kenny Siegel. You've worked with Kenny. I mean, uh-huh. we fought like cats and dogs. You did? About everything. <laughs> About everything. Oh, really? I'm like, Kenny, it's a, it's a little, little cold in here. Well, I think it's fine. Well, I don't, it's not cold. Well, it's cold to me. <laughs> you know? You're the, isn't the client always I mean, right, I mean, though? We just argued about everything, I, you know? I could kind of, but, but, I could kind but, of see that coming because I kind of put but to you, good effect. You know, I put I, you guys together, actually. Yeah. Well, whatever it was, <laughs> I mean, it, it worked out. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. yeah. It like, worked out. I bet. Yeah. I mean, it was. I, I just know myself, you know what I mean? I, and I know that I, um, that, uh, you know, that, that I need that. I like when, when, uh, when I saw you in San Francisco and you were telling me about you and Kenny fighting and then Kenny texting you and you, and you wrote Kenny back saying, listen, if you wouldn't text it to Bob Dylan, don't text it to me. <laughs> I love that, dude. Well, well, you know. That's a, that's a good you, standard. Yeah, if you wouldn't well, text it, I've thought about that a few times. Well, uh, said that. if you wouldn't text it to Bob Dylan, don't text it's me. I There's that. a method to that. You understand, right? I mean, Explain I sent him. That I, well, well, you know, I sent. I sent him like five songs. You know, I didn't write them all in one day. You know what I mean? I, I sent five songs. They'd been poured from beaker to beaker, right? You know, and 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 I'd done what I could to smooth them out, and mm-hmm. and you know, I and and I said, if you want to take this ride with me, Kenny, you know, here's some of the songs. Oh, I need to, I need to hear the the tunes. <laughs> I said, Don't call them tunes. I said. I said tunes. Tune. I said tune. A tune is what a child plays on a recorder. You know what I mean? Like they're not tunes. You know, I just want to hear the tunes. So, so uh, I sent him like five songs or whatever, and 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 I get a text back like kick ass. And, I, and at first I was like, okay, that's positive, you know. And then and then I was waiting for something to kick in, you know. And and yeah. that's when I told him at a certain point I said, stop texting me. 
Hey, what? I just fucking dig the stuff, you know. I said, stop texting me. Right. You know, just think about it and, uh, you know, just resist the impulse and don't text me. And, and unless, you know, if you're going to text me, don't text anything to me that you wouldn't text to Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. You know, I would do that. I said, like, well, you know. That's what I was going to say. Wouldn't you say kick ass to Bob Dylan? Maybe. I don't know. I guess not. <laughs> you got your one shot, you know. You got your one shot, maybe. Right. Hey, Bob, man. Kick ass. <laughs> Kick ass, thanks. Thanks. You know. He's got a point. No wonder I have a... Yeah. I'm yeah. so glad, you know. I mean, for a minute on there, I didn't think I had a career. So you guys fought like cats and dogs, but you, like, forged through and yeah, completed yeah, the process. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, and, and he... he uh, it's a soulful place he's got. He, he he put in the hours and he yeah. and he and he put in the time and he he gathered some musicians and I'd had, you know, uh, uh, I got a, off to a pretty promising start, but then in San Francisco with my friend Matt Weininger, we got we got like a core group of songs. Mm-hmm. We went in for a second batch and then uh, you know they're like the assistant engineer is like schedule was all complicated. I said you're an assistant engineer. You're not allowed to have a life yet. You know what right. I mean? It's like you're the first guy here. You're the last guy to leave. He's like, well, I got a five o'clock. I got to go. And... Right. So we had a, you know, we we had a kind of an expensive session that I was a little unprepared. You know, I mean, anyway, it it, it wasn't great, and so I kind of hit a wall, and then I went out and did a solo tour, and I dropped by Kenny's studio, old old soul in mm-hmm. Catskill, you know, yeah. and just kind of as a blind date, I said, "Well, you can get some musicians, and I'll show up with some songs." And so I had a pretty good little session, and then I went and I returned there, you know, yeah. spent some time in that five bedroom colonial mansion, wow, and I mansion, dug it, you yeah. know. I mean, I dug, I dug coming down in the morning and rocking the French roast and playing the piano, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't have that kind of space where I live. So I know it's nice. It was there. nice, yeah. It's a nice vibe. Yeah, and he and he got some great, sensitive, cool musicians. You yeah, know? shout out Old Soul and Kenny. Yeah, over there. Yeah, I made Boogie Christ there and uh, great record. Holding, thank you. Yeah, holding the void. I mean, I know the singles. Couple things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ballad of Boogie Christ. Ballad of Boogie Christ. Yeah. Toss my salad <laughs> and throw throw wedding rice. So good. Thanks, man. So good. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that from Mexico. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember after I played your... Graphic. Like, yeah, you could see all the way through it. I liked it. Like, because it was just acoustic guitar, bass, and drums. Kind of like... Yeah. Well, yeah, the wind, the, 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 there was a breeze blowing through it. It right. wasn't like, you I know... I remember that. I'm produced, you know. It was yeah. just like, that's a great sound. Mm-hmm. That was a great album. Yeah. So when's your record coming out? Well, it's not it... coming out till May. So okay, but is it so? But it's it's done, mastered, everything. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah, you got to get the vinyl stuff in early. That's what they say. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's another thing that happened with Kenny. You know. Where, well, I got into this thing with, I got into this <laughs> thing where it was like, you know, I work with Yep Rock Records. Uh, those guys have been nothing but great to me. They always put the artists first. Right. Um, you know, they're they're practical. They're not spending money, like, you know, foolishly. <coughs> um, but they told me that, you know, that they needed six months to set up a record. And, yeah. you know, and I had done another record with them a couple records back. And I said, well, you know, I, I don't know if I can give you six months. I got this tour booked in the fall. Mm-hmm. The record's almost done. And they said, well, Chuck, that's what we need to do our job. And I said, well, 
they go, because in order for the record to be successful, I'm like, well, you know, it doesn't have to be successful. You know, mm-hmm. I just want to get it out. You know, I got this tour and they said, well, you know, with all due respect, we don't usually base the release of our records around tour. around your tour dates, you know. And so in the end, they said, but having said that, if you if that's how you feel, you know, we'll we'll see what we can do because we always put, you know, the artist first. And so uh, I learned a lesson, you know. I mean, the record wasn't, you know, it wasn't set up properly as, as well as it could have been. You know, it's right. not like anything was a disaster. You know, we went out there and we, you know, toured behind it and everything. And um, so I take them seriously, you know. And so I was trying to explain to Kenny this thing about release dates, and mm-hmm. and I told him the whole story, you know. And I he was list- I thought he was listening to me, and he said, "Okay, so." Uh, you're going to need this thing at the end of, uh, you know, November? He said, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you call your guy and ask him what the real fucking date is? <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I, said, I said, you're fucking jive, man. He said, I'm not jive. I said, you're bullshit. You know, I said, we don't, I don't do that, man. That's not, I don't speak that, you know. Yeah. And he's like, you know, now I understand. You know, then I got to understand that bullshit is, it's okay. It's bullshit's what you use to get people to come around to your way of thinking. You know, I might exaggerate things mm-hmm. to make a point. You know what yeah. I mean? I do it all the time. I, some I'm probably of the best gonna say, people do. I'm probably going to say a lot of shit on this podcast that I don't even mean. Right. You know what I mean? What? And yeah. so so I understand that. So I can bullshit too. And, and yeah. so, you know, and then I, I just said, oh, we're going to bullshit. You know, we're going to bullshit our way through this. Uh, right. To, to good effect, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you got to. Yeah. And it's okay. And it's okay. I came to understand yeah. that, you know? So how did it end up with you and Kenny? Are we, you guys, we, we made the release date. Are you guys at peace? Or is oh, there yeah, yeah. No, no bad He's got a big no heart. Blood, yeah. yeah, he's got a big heart. Right. And and um, I got nothing for but love for anybody who would take the ride with me. You know, yeah. Through all the twists and turns in the road and everything. So It's, it's a crazy process. Yeah, yeah. It's ma- making records, isn't it? It can be, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, when did you start doing it? How old were you? When you when, when did you make what was your first record? Was it Green on well, Red? I was goofing around in high school trying to get into Fortrex Studios or whatever, but right. you know, the real I, I probably when I was 20 or something when Green on Red made a record called Gas Food Lodging. Right. And uh but they were already It was established, a breeze. Right? It was Before a breeze. Yeah, they had a couple they had a couple records out and they And you joined. And they were established and they had a booking agent, you know. They had a van. And believe it or not, at one time, the record company gave him a gas card. Now you gotta understand, <laughs> in 1984, this is bourgeois, right? You know, no, I mean it's unthinkable, you know. So yeah. yeah, so then we made a record called Gas Food Lodging, and and you know, and it it was a uh, beginner's luck, I guess. It went well, you know. Yeah, and we went out and played behind. It wasn't until we didn't kind of hit a wall as a band until a couple records after that. We were right. trying to grow and get to the next level and all that painful stuff what do you think of all that now growing and getting to the next level and all well that i was going to ask you about that because <clears throat> i was going to ask you about that because i think one of the things that we have in common is a kind of admiration for rem and i think mm-hmm. i think that they had a role and you have a real connection to rem right yeah yeah well what can you tell me about that well i got a band going on with peter buck right now called oh, of course Ar- arthur yeah. buck and we just made, made our second record 
So looking for a way to put that out. All right. Um, and then I toured with them uh, when they were doing Around the Sun in uh, Europe. So I did about 15 dates with them then. And Peter used to come see me play at the Baltic Room in Seattle when I would uh-huh. do a, a residency there, uh, touring my second record. Okay. You know, and it's and I toured with Mills too as a right, bass yeah. player for the Boogie Christ tour. So it's just been like that, you and know. Michael, yeah. Michael has a and, deep love and for you. Michael Stipe covered in the sun, and <clears throat> what else did we do? And yeah, and just uh, came out and sang with you a few times. Came out and sang with me a few times. Yeah, well, Michael told me I missed the zoo inspired. That's a great song. Inspired the last song R.E.M. recorded, actually, which for me was like, damn. Because he goes, he he said, I think I ripped you off from our last song. And then when you listen to the last song, you can can hear and I miss the new vibe to it. That's a well, that's a great song. Um, so yeah, I mean, when, when we talk about Green on Red, I mean, at one point in time, we may have been you know kind of contemporaries, right? To R.E.M. And, you know, now when you ask me, like, well, how do you feel about all that next level stuff? I mean, we were probably afraid, you know, right? dumb and afraid and in many ways. And um, But that's one thing I really admire about Green on Red. I mean, I'm sorry, what I admire about R.E.M. Uh, I remember, like, early on somebody said, like, oh, did you hear that, uh, you know, R.E.M.'s going to do a video? Right, <laughs> and I think that at one time they were anti-video, and mm-hmm. I heard that uh, Michael <clears throat> Michael was so freaked out that he had to throw up, you know. Oh, to do a video, he had to do a video, and and I was wow, you know. Yeah. And then uh, you know, fast <laughs> fast forward, and I'm you know fast forward, I'm watching a TV, you know, I don't remember how many years later, and Michael's got those, you know, he looks, he's got that white dress shirt, and he's got the sleeves rolled up like Jerry Lee, and he's. Mm-hmm. Walking down the road, he jumps on that semi truck, and I'm like, like he's just looking right into the camera, yeah. And I'm thinking, well, it didn't take them long, right? <laughs> so yeah. It seems like what REM was able to do, you know, to me was that they were always able to, whatever challenge or whatever, they were always ri- able to rise whatever was in front of them to, mm-hmm. to whatever was in front of them, you know. And they kept doing that, and you know, maybe, maybe after they turned themselves inside out doing that so many times maybe that's why they decided to stop you know i I don't know right but they definitely um you know showed how it was done what keeps you going uh kind of addicted to it you know i mean yeah i mean i still like writing songs and you're still really i do a lot of co-writing and it's part of my social life and yeah um i get happy when Something's wrestled to the ground, and I still like going out and playing and meeting people. And yeah, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's it's not so bad. Ehud, we're gonna have to. We got a, ma- a maid coming in. <laughs> She's like looking at this set. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, it's obviously a porn. <laughs> obviously a porn. I was getting shot in here. <laughs> That's funny. So, but do you have like? goals and ambitions to take it somewhere else or do you are you happy as it is or what's your whole take on that kind of stuff well haven't been on all sides of it you know i can tell you this um 
it always feels good when things are growing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And, and it doesn't have to grow like, you know, every, and most busy people being are born or busy dying. Yeah. People are obsessed. Exactly. I mean, people are very ex- obsessed with success and, you know, mm-hmm. that's it. Well, gosh, uh, you know, we've got to pay these musicians. And, you know, they don't really understand what it is that gets us off. You know what I mean? Or oh, right. some music, home tapings, killing, you know. Uh, they don't really understand what gets us off. And I, I I stopped trying to explain a long time ago. You know, it would it would be like me trying to explain, you know, what sex is or something. You know, right. I mean, like, well, boy, got a lot of ex wives. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know. So what do I? I mean, I I just want to keep my. I guess my biggest fear would be that I would have to stop. Right. You because know, I I like it. You know, mm-hmm. I like doing it. And if things are growing. Hey, Steffi, I was wondering if if you might be willing if you might be willing to tell your Rosanna Arquette story. No. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm I'm on a pot. <laughs> Go ahead, think about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm on a podcast here with Joseph Arthur. Say Hello. Hi, say hi, to Stephanie. hi, Stephanie. Hi. How are you? Nice to hear you. How are you? I'm good. How you're doing? Yeah, doing yeah. really good. It's fun to talk to Chuck. You're not gonna tell. All right. It. All right. It's too bad. It's a, it's a good story. Oh well. Maybe Chuck will tell it. <laughs> All right. Keep smiling. I'll call you back. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, that's got to be like Stephanie. That's your wife and yeah. your partner in the band too. A lot of times, that's right? How you yeah. Started singing. So yeah, absolutely. That's wait. How he started singing? Then, yeah, then I the think two so. You meet at a party and then you connect. Yeah. I mean, we've told this story a lot of different ways. I mean, she she was going out with my best friend and. Oh. You know, and yeah, I mean, stole and, and and uh, we, yeah, we had all, we were all in bands that had kind of crumbled, and Green on Red was had kind of, you know, gone out of business. I don't know if we broke up yet or what, but we were in between, mm-hmm. about to. Yeah, and so yeah, I, I mean, I always thought that uh, I, I was good, you know, but I thought with her, I mean, singing harmony, I thought maybe it was even better. It was great. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, that helps. We too. managed to keep it going, you know, and. It hasn't all been roses. Laughs. Yeah, of course not. You know, was she with Patrick Winningham? That's right. All right. He's, okay. a, he's a great guy. Okay. Hey, hey, yeah, so right. are you some kind of Counting Crows nerd? Well, no. Yeah. I, yes. Not yeah. nerd. Yes. I, I mean, I've, I've, <laughs> yes. we have a lot of mutual friends and Jim Bogus. Oh, okay. He's a really uh, close it. friend. Right. And Patrick with uh, Tender Mercy. You know, I've filmed them in San yeah. Francisco and... Patrick's well, Patrick, guy. you know, but, but then I found out. Why? Who's Patrick? Uh, well, he's in Counting Crows. He was, no, no, he was a singer who was in Tender. Were they yeah, called well, Tender Mercies well, back well, then? Let me see if I can get this right. So Patrick and I had a group with Stephanie. Yeah, that's what I found out. Yeah, you know, we kind of splintered apart, uh, you know. Um, and then Patrick, you know, was a great band leader. He was a San Francisco guy, and he attracted great people. And he had, um, you know, a couple of the guys that ended up in the Crows. So you got. Dan Vickery, Dan Vickery and the piano player uh, Charlie yeah Gillingham. Charlie Gillingham yeah so they were in Patrick's band yeah you know and Patrick did his thing on his side of the town and we did our thing on the other side of town <laughs> and yeah. and then when the Crows um, I may be wrong but when the County Crows got that record deal um, you know they were they needed to get in a Conline van and go out and do it and there wasn't a lot of money and they didn't really have a band right. I mean they, they were like a project 
Yeah, it was Adam and yeah. Bryson. Yeah, they were like a project. And um, so they just, I mean, Patrick ended up being the Billy Bean, like running a great farm team for the Counting Crows, you know. Mm-hmm. And after that, and, and they, they, and they, took, some, and they took some of his songs, they stole with, his them, songs. with them too. You know? Oh, really? They didn't have enough material, so they would sing Patrick's songs. Yeah, yeah. And he wasn't even like a part of it. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, yeah. But so, so, he, so he got ripped off by the Crows and his wife stolen by Chuck Prophet. <laughs> Fucking, yeah, yeah, and, the, and, and there might have and doesn't there, have the luck, and, and and there may have been a Martin guitar in there that got borrowed and never got returned. Wow, whoa, <laughs> now that's over the fucking now, top, now, but, dude. But 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 Patrick, you know, he's my closest friend, and, okay, and things are more things are more complicated than that because yeah. because his sister was married to Stephanie's brother, and and they had two girls, so we share the same nieces in common. Oh, wow, me and Patrick. And um and and he ended up being the best man at our wedding. Oh, okay. And well, it was happy it, and, and and I knew that he was gonna handle it well. And when he gave the speech, he's you know his his young family was there and his his wife and he said, uh, well you know uh, we're all gathered here today and uh, I'm just gonna say Stephanie, so there's no chance of us getting back together. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> So That's yeah, funny. he's yeah. a cool du- he's a cool dude. Great songwriter. What what are the songs? Four White Stallions. Uh, Four White Stallions yeah. and Mercy is Mercy yeah, beautiful is like song a called Mercy. Be- yeah. I'll play it to you. It's beautiful. Wow, I lyrics love it. is just yeah. something else. What yeah, you- and Patrick taught me a lot about songwriting. But, but just you know. to throw it in there, in two thousand and twelve or fourteen, the Crows actually took Patrick and the Tender Mercies on tour to pay tribute to them and like said these are the guys who really wrote these songs and wow. played well, for great. years and Yeah. So it came that, back around. Yeah. What did he teach you? He said he taught you a lot about songs. Yeah, he's you know, we used to write songs and he you know, I remember he said he had a notebook and he goes, Yeah, I carry this notebook and uh you know, I keep ideas in here, and if I get something started, he goes, you know, one of the things I like to do is I like to get a title at the top of the page as soon as I can. Yeah. Okay, so I still do that. Yeah. You know? Why? Um, it's just, you know, things start to get formal. Right. Okay, all right, you know. Yeah. You know, uh, well, uh, otherwise, you know, your bloodstained journal is just kind of, you know, it doesn't have any shape, you know. You know okay, yeah. we got a title. and Put some titles. Looks good. Underline it. <laughs> right. Something to underline. Yeah. Yeah. So. What about mercy and grace? Do you have any kind of, because he just said the song mercy, you know, and I'm just wondering, like, do you have any kind of, uh prayer thing going on with you like do, like i pray a lot just to, as a way of getting through life and and like uh i'm just wondering if you have any of that situation going on or do you are you ag- agnostic or? well I, i'm i'm a, well I, I mean um i know you're a star AA saved me you know i mean yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I i i have been clean for 22 years that's, an, that's uh, incredible i yeah. mean uh crack really brought me to my knees but i was a you know a drunk and, right um, you know, like to chip a little bit, and you know, but crack really brought me to my knees. And yeah. uh, you know, I, I didn't get it the first time, but eventually I took suggestions and got a sponsor, and I was, you know, still clean. So, I mean, I I would like to do 
more in terms of you Prayer. know my relationship with my higher power mm-hmm. but i am of a certain age now and i have discovered that naps can be pretty spiritual <laughs> yeah well it's like yeah. meditation almost. yeah so i mean luckily we have these phones now and you can say like you know siri you know wake me up in 30 minutes or 20 mm-hmm. minutes and then i turn out the lights you know like if i know my wife's coming home i'm like oh man what if i get run in there and just mm-hmm. get under the covers for 20 minutes <laughs> you still go to meetings <laughs> yeah yeah Every uh, no, not every day, not not as much as I should. What about on the road? Uh, not as much, you know. Not as much. No, but I still have a home group that I go to and I check in with, and a lot of the guys that were there when I got clean are still there. How how much work do you have to do in main in maintenance of your sort of spiritual mental condition? Because I ask because I have to do a lot. And when when you do a lot, you get kind of credited as like, well, you're this great guy. You're doing a lot. But it's like, really, it should be the like, no, it's like I need to do a lot. Well, I mean, I mean, for me, like the last the last 10 years, you know, I started surfing again. I grew up. I grew up in Orange County. I mean, I was surfing when I was nine years old. Yeah. You know, we used to take the bus and. For twenty five cents, and you know, we had surfboards stashed around Newport Beach, and Chuck's I mean, a legit. Surfer. I mean, I was like, you know, I was a, you know, um, you know, just a, basically a dropout, you know. And so, I got into that like ten years ago in San mm-hmm. Francisco. You know, I started longboarding, and I'm out there with the older guys and the, the sewing circle. So wearing a full body suit. Yeah, sure. Oh yeah, I'm like I'm gloves and everything. It's freezing. The other guys are. Um, I just get. I hate getting in the water. I, I can't even begin to tell you how really? much I hate it. I mean, I hate pulling into the parking lot and putting on a cold wetsuit. Just it's the worst, you yeah. know. But I will say this on a spiritual level, you know, mm-hmm. there are times when I'm out there and it's hard to think about other stuff, you know. Yeah. I mean, you're you're just thinking like, oh, I'm gonna I wanna get over this, you know, a set's coming in. And I want to get over this. I want to get through this set and get outside and not get caught inside. And you're not thinking about it. You're in the else. moment. Yeah. And then when I drive the Econoline line back, you know, home, I'm, I, I have a hard time remembering what it was I was so fucking worried about. Right. You know. And I know you exercise a lot, but I had a shoulder injury. I had frozen shoulder, which is like some kind of male menopause bullshit. Is it <laughs> yes. frozen shoulder? Yes. Yes. It's a real thing. Um, and so I've been out of the water for like a year, you know. So. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I try to walk and I, I just try to be mindful. I mean, I'm not complicated. I mean, I just try to eat well and I try to, you know, walk and, you know, um, just not a complicated guy in that respect. You know? Right. But the gravity of the attic mind without like Woo! serious maintenance yeah. can go dark fast and can can go you know down fast yeah well i mean the the more time i have you know right the less i feel like i'm gonna use you know today right you know what do you do to keep yourself entertained like on the road and all that i've never had a boarding board moment in my life you know I, I must be really simple you know i mean right. i get on a plane i'm like this is the best place in the world there's no wi-fi you know, I mean, You're I like, to, I like no, to, yeah, I love it when there's no Wi-Fi. I'm why? Because then you read? Yeah, I like to read, and, you know, and, and uh, I mean, I'm generally happy if I have a good book going, you know, yeah. I don't have anything going at the moment. Netflix has kind of ruined that for me a little bit, Uh huh. you know. Why? Because you watch too much uh, It's Netflix? a stimulation, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, you know. I'm gonna Dopamine. Shop, yeah, I'm going to shop around and see what I'm going to 
watch and oh, I'm gonna watch this documentary and really learn something, you know. So I, I mean, I, I don't, th I mean, if you're gonna, you know, you need to fill yourself with what Ezra Pound called the noble rhythms, you know. What does that mean? It means you know you gotta read good stuff. Yeah, you, know? you gotta fill um, yourself with the noble rhythms. Yeah, Ezra Pound said that. I think so. I, God, I hope so. <laughs> we'll get, look, look it up, man. <laughs> don't look it up. Noble, put Ezra Pound, Noble uh, Rhythms. That's yeah. all you got to do. Yeah. And so, you know, <laughs> you read, you know, I mean, if you're a writer, you know. Yeah, if you're a writer, it helps. I mean, Anything inspiring you now musically? Like, who are your top songwriters? I know you like Lou Reed a lot and Bob Dylan. Yeah. Um, definitely, I mean, all roads lead to Bob. Yeah. I mean, for me, um, I... I find that he is really a bottomless pit, you know, at the bottom of a black hole. Mm -hmm. So there's really no end to it. Right. I just listened to some live stuff this morning, you know. Um, you did? Yeah. Which one? Um, I think it was Someday Baby. I don't know where it was from, but mm -hmm. I was admiring that. Uh, Samantha Brown lived in my house four or five months, you know. Samantha Never Brown. even slept with her even once. Um, I'm trying to think of what that song is. Oh, that's a Bob Dylan. Yeah, song? it's just a. I thought you were just a feast of couplets. You know, I thought uh, you were telling me about. No, uh, no. <laughs> it's just Samantha. a feast of couplets. You know, I mean, you know, Bob never lets me down. And what makes him great to you? Um, what do you like about it? Well, I like that he's never really. Well. <laughs> He's incapable of being uninteresting. Right. He's funny. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, he, he hasn't gone through a, a period like Bruce where he's explained all the magic tricks too much. Oh, Bruce explained him too much? I feel a little bit like... Recently. In, yeah, what, in I, what way? Like, Well, he's talked a lot about, you know, when I made that record, I made sure that... Uh, you know, John Landau and Little Steven, they would fight, and that helped to break. And I thought, you know, that's some weird Machiavellian stuff. I don't need to know. You know what I mean? Right. I don't need to know all that stuff. You know what I mean? I don't, you know what I mean? And, and in his book, he talked about, you know, how he, how, uh, he, um, how he negotiated, you know, the, the money with his players. Like, I don't need to know this stuff, you know? Right. You know, I keep my life simple. I just even, you know? <laughs> we just yeah. do it even, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's no discredit to Bruce, who took me on incredible, you know, I mean, I mean, Bruce was big for me. Yeah. Yeah. What's Bob your is still big for me. And I'm trying favorite? to think of what I was listening to yesterday. I was listening to um, a group out of England called Art Brute that mm -hmm. made a record like 20 years ago. Incredible yeah. record. Yeah, know? I know them just because they're like right next to me in the record bins. Oh. Art Brute, A-R-T. Yeah. Great Arthur, band. Arthur, A-R-T. Yeah. You know? uh, I mean. <laughs> well, I caught wind of them back in the day. You know, and then these bands come and go. Like, whatever happened to the Fiery Furnace? Or, you know, um, I don't know. I mean. It is wild, the ones that come and go. Yeah. How about all the people that like open up for you out on the road that are like, insanely talented that you never hear from again you know like that kind of shit always freaks me out there's there's so much talent out there in a way like some like I, on one level i could go like why isn't shit better for me and on another level i'm like damn i'm lucky you know do you feel anything do you really i feel lucky yeah yeah i i feel lucky for sure mm -hmm. um 
I mean, but do you have the? I other mean, I'm, side I'm like you know, or? I'm in like my you know fifties now, and you know, I remember I, I I made a record for a British label in the sometime in the nineties, and and uh, I had this manager, and you know, it was like it, 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 the record had come out in England and Europe, but it uh, you know it didn't look like Warner Brothers was going to re- release it in North America, and he's like, yeah, well, you know, it's the way things go, you know. You know, you're you're of a certain age now. You're pushing thirty, and mm-hmm. you know they're not going to want it. I'm like, you know what I mean? So I mean, uh, yeah. that was back then, though. Well, I mean, music's lost its ageism. Oh well, ageism I, I didn't get that memo. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I mean, I feel like it has. I mean, obviously, like for the super duper pop shit, you know, fine. That's like kids got to make that. But like, in terms of like, you know, like there's. Well, for instance, I mean Iggy Pop. You're still doing it. I'm still doing it. I'll tell you like, who. I'll tell you who's still doing it is Loudon Wainwright. Yeah. I mean, I'm. You know, there's a lot of music out there, and it doesn't really take much to grab a chord progression and you know, throw a bunch of lines together. But um, I do find as I get older, you know, I really respond to stuff that's personal. Uh huh. Um. And so, uh, you know, a lot of Loudon in my diet the last, oh, okay. last couple of years. Can't get an, I mean, you can never go wrong with any really? Loudon Wainwright. Yeah. I need to check more. And, you know, that. if you go see him live, just a master class. Is you know, it? Oh, yeah. Hands down. Really? You know? Oh, yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. And, 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 and music and, uh, art, you know, the arts, filmmaking, you know, comedians, I do feel like things have been moving in that direction, that things are getting more personal. Huh. You know? Um, Why or, do you think that is? Well, you know, I mean, if if a comedian was just going to be like some kind of heavyweight champ, you know, I mean, I remember I was in the comedy scene because I used to play guitar with this guy, Barry Sobel. So I was in the comedy, kind of exposed to a lot of this stuff in the early 80s. Um, like when, Just like when I was barely out of high school, you know, and... Um, Dana Carvey and Paula Poundstone and uh, they were all, you know, Robin Williams, they were all San Francisco people. And so I saw, you know, I saw them do a lot of those guys do many sets, you know, and, um, you know, one thing that people don't really remember was that back then Leno was, you know, held on a pretty high pedestal. He was fucking hysterical. People said that, that, that you know, he didn't write anything down. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd get up on stage and it's just heavyweight champion, <laughs> you know, just right. you know, punchline, punchline, just just destroy. You know, so I think comedy's changed now. I mean, you know, things have gotten more personal, and everybody's going to air their dirty laundry and mm-hmm. on Mark Maron or whatever, and and people have less time for just punchlines. You know, right? So I feel like Loudon is a guy that's been like way out in front of that for. You know, decades. What in what kind of way? Like song? Like what's what's an example of a, a personal song? That's well, like, you know, I I, cause I, like, I John, asked him. I interviewed him. I said, you oh, know, you okay. have a song about you know what you sing about hitting your kids. You know, oh. and he goes, well, you know, it's not something I'm pr- proud of. And the, there was a kind of a nervous laughter in the crowd. And he said, oh, you do it. You all do it. You know, you do. <laughs> Just you know, I never know what's going to come out of his mouth. I mean, That's he's funny. he's he's uh, he's you know. Um, if you're looking for the unexpected, 
Loudinger guy. He'll bring it. Yeah. Well, and and Rufus and Martha are oh, super, great. Yeah. Incredibly talented. And great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Rufus. Like Rufus is. Just I could watch that Judy Garland thing. You know. Yeah. Uh, on repeat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's wild. It's a wild family. It's a lot, great. Of, a lot of talent. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's 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 like, uh, you know, Loudon makes a fuss about Rufus having all the money and. <laughs> oh really. <laughs> Little little competitive yeah. vibe. There's a lot going. There's a lot of layers. You yeah, know? there's it's, a lot it's, of layers. It's, if you if you you know if you like layers. Yeah. <laughs> so how's that inspired your own songwriting as of late? Have you geared more personal or? Uh, what, what would I, you I say? May, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. More revealing. More vulnerable. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just trying to do something good. You know. Mm-hmm. Do you ever read Brene Brown or any self-help books like that? She's got a lot about the power of vulnerability and well, stuff like that. I and, know and, there's a lot of these books at the airport. It's like there's yeah. a big section for them, you know. <laughs> right, because we're all um, looking. Everybody Everybody's wants searching. to, you know, everybody wants to reverse engineer something that's already happened, you know. Mm-hmm. So you you know you and and then and and nobody wants to read a book <laughs> like in his like a history book or anything. So, if they can watch an eight-minute TED talk, you know, mm-hmm. about somebody re- about somebody reverse engineering something that's already happened, but but, you know, I'd I'd like to see somebody, you know, talk about something that hasn't happened, you know. See, I I just think that whole thing you just said should be a song. That's <laughs> yeah, a good, you know. It's too much, you know. Yeah. How, how do you melt that down into anything? Well, you, you just did. Anyway, yeah. Um. Sure, you know, memoirs become very popular. Are you going to write one? No. I mean, I write a little bit, but having to put a beginning, a middle, and an end on something it just doesn't seem like fun right now. I mean, Loudon, speaking of Loudon, he has a great book uh, that he put out last year, and it's just a series of essays and uh-huh. some, some personal stories, um, and it's... Um, it's fantastic. So it, I, what, I, I read that. that I read that, and I got a little. You know, I mean, I got kind of inspired. Well, yeah. What's that called? Um, can you help us look out? It, look it up, hey, who, hey. Who, I love his song. I think I read my it twice. daughter in the water. That's like yeah. so personal. It like you read anyone it who's a father. That's my daughter. Well, I interviewed him, so I, I think I read, I read, I read it once, and then I think I read some of my favorite chapters twice yeah. what did you interview him for a podcast well he had the book coming out so he went out he was doing some promotion and there was a literary festival in san francisco and oh, okay and they asked me to do it oh that's to, cool to interview him yeah is it called liner notes yeah loud on wainwright the third on parents children exes and excess death and decay and a few of my other favorite things. Yeah, that's the title. That's that's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's that just sounds that sounds wonderful. Yeah, doesn't it sound great? It does. It is. You're it inspiring is. me to check it out. Oh, you'll love it. Really, you'll love it. Yeah. You could buy used for four dollars and nineteen. <laughs> I need it for you'll tomorrow's love it. flight. Right, well, oh, sure please do. On book, on yeah. tape. Please do. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. That's funny. So yeah, that's music that that uh, you know. I return to, and you know, I mean, I was in a bookstore the other day, and and they were playing um, Robert Johnson, King of the Delta Blues, mm-hmm. and it was quiet in there, and I was like, oh man, this sounds different than I've ever heard it, you know. 
Did they slow it down? Because wasn't the rumor that it was yeah, sped I, up? Yeah, I something? have heard that. Yeah. Um, was it slowed down? Was no, it, it was a record. It yeah, was the it same wasn't. Speed. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Like, I didn't notice anything like that, but I just remember thinking like, it's a life's work, you know. I mean, you can return to all this stuff, and and there's always, as they say in the program, mm-hmm. you know, more will be revealed. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's it's beautiful. Half measures avail us nothing. Yeah, you know, and and uh, yeah, you know, it's like love in vain. You know, I followed her to the station, suitcase, you man. Yeah, I followed her to the station, suitcase in my hand. Oh, it's hard to tell, it's hard to tell, when all your love's in vain. You know, just unrequited love, man. Do you ever get bitter? Do you ever feel like it's all in vain? Um, Do you have moments? I get just bitter enough to <laughs> to be real, you know? Right. I mean, don't you hate people that aren't bitter a little? I mean, I mean, I don't get, you hate people? That's like saying, like, I don't have any regrets. Like, yeah, okay, thanks, a lot. thanks for the warning. <laughs> thanks for the warning, asshole. <laughs> yeah, thanks for I, letting me know that uh, you know you and I are going to have that, much fun. That, that you're not going to tell me anything. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right? Yeah. No, I mean, I, that's smug. I, I definitely I, I, have regrets. Yeah. yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I've done so much stupid yeah, shit. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And that's part of why I am still doing this, you know, because I'm trying to make up for all the stupid, foolish. When you get dumb into stuff. a dark spot, though, how do you pull yourself out of it? I don't indulge in those like I used to. I don't. I can't afford it. But how do you pull yourself out? I just don't. You don't go in. I don't indulge myself the way I used to. You know. Mm-hmm. I don't, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, um, I'm, you know, I definitely have depression in my family, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a big step for me when my mother told me in a kind of offhanded way when one of those commercials was on TV and she said, yeah, they didn't have that stuff when I was, they didn't have that stuff. They didn't have that stuff when I was, you know, young, I would have probably taken it. And I was like, whoa. You Do know. you take any medica- no, medication? No. no. No, but I understand. You know, it's like I can't really indulge the blues the way I used to. Yeah. You know, I don't have the time. Um, and, well, it doesn't uh, really get you anywhere. And no one's, no one's going to give a shit. It's just you and you half the time, most of the time. Get outside, take a walk. You know things are bad for you. You know things are bad for you. You know, don't do it. Right. I mean, it's a shame that we, it takes us so long to learn this stuff, you know? It's weird. It's weird, but life is, you know, it's, I wasn't, you it's know, complicated. I, I, I had a therapist, you know, and, you know, eventually she, uh, she killed she, herself. She got tired. She, she, <laughs> she couldn't no, take no, it no, anymore. No, she, she was like, she, she, she basically, yeah. She basically said in so many words, you know, that, uh, you know, she said, I'll keep taking your money, 
But if you want to come in here and just uh, if you want to come in here and keep entertaining me, I'll keep taking your money. But uh, well, it's, you know, it's, so, so it kind of hit a wall. It's like what you what you know yeah. what you focus on keeps happening. Though I'm That's getting so nervous thing. right now. I got to pee. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, go, go pee. This is what happens. I get go excited. And I start thinking about all this stuff. Yeah. And, well, like geez. you know, if you ca- what you focus on, you keep creating. That's the thing. That's the weird thing yeah. about therapy. So let me let me ask you something. Let's just yeah. get a couple things straight. Yeah. So you've done seventy two of these. This is number seventy two. Or three. Okay. Yeah. Or three. And um and you know I don't think it's any secret. You're very personable, warm. Oh, thank you, dude. You know. Thank and you, so I, I feel like I I could tell you anything. You know. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, anybody like cry or anything? Any good stuff like that? Any good? He has. I. I've oh, cried. I believe it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like not like not like They've been emotional, not ones. bawling, yeah, no. but like tearing up. I've teared up, but uh, no, I don't think anyone's uh, cried. But we, we had. That's a good idea. I should start trying to make people cry. <laughs> I need to get my cry game. Yeah, yeah. On. <laughs> like, Missing the mark a little there. <laughs> <laughs> you know <what> I, mean? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right. Marin makes people cry. He does. He's yeah. a, he's an expert. He's an expert. Yeah expert at it i like joe rogan a lot too he doesn't really make people cry that much do you check out a podcast yeah or, yeah i mean i, I know ch- you I, like marin in the early days i checked out marin i mean i yeah, I, I, really I, I, I didn't i didn't check out for any particular reason yeah he was just um you know i, I actually like a lot of some music podcasts you know which one well, there's one called Sail On about the Beach Boys that I oh, okay. really really enjoy um there's so much Beach Boys stuff out there huh you know, there's a lot of session. Just you know, they ran a tape. You know, they ran a quarter inch tape during the Pet Sounds session. So, yeah, you can kind of hear the construction of Pet Sounds, and, oh, these, and these guys are in a Sail on. yeah, they're in a Beach Boys tribute band. So they, you know, they know all the moving parts, and and it's and it, it can be really wonderful to listen to like in the dark. You know, just lying on my back. Yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Have you ever had any muscle spasms? This is a total aside because I'm having a, muscle spasms in my arm a lot lately, like where this one. Yeah, I don't know anything about that stuff. Uh, okay, yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm You're like, a guy like, I gotta be in my body, man. I gotta be in my mind. I gotta be in my body. I think too What does that what even is mean? That? I don't <laughs> know what it means. You know what I mean? Let's I don't even go, know if I said that. Go for a bike <laughs> ride, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> So we like with your your last release of Bobby Fuller died for my sins. But like uh that's a fantastic album and um title. Great title as well. What do you, what what Bobby Fuller is the guy who wrote I fought the law and the law won. Well, he didn't write it, but he had to hit with it. Yeah. Oh, he had to hit with it. It was written by one of the crickets, yeah. Oh, okay. He was a, well, Bobby Fuller was like a guy from El Paso, Texas. Yeah. He was a total Buddy Holly like clone, you know what I mean? Yeah. Buddy Holly was from Lubbock, and Buddy Holly, you know, of course, was a big star, and and so you know, he and his brother uh, had a band you, called. But sorry to interrupt, but you have a vibe to me like this kind of old school singer songwriter, Buddy Holly, Bobby. F- like I, I feel like really? you're part yeah. of that lineage. See, you you get you're good to people, Joseph. See, well, no, you know I'm I just talking that, about. I just think that's true, though. I think that's, that's true. Nice. You have that. You're very genuine like that. I don't know. That's nice. I appreciate that. Didn't mean to cut you off. Well, it's great. So anyway, Bobby Fuller was, you know, uh, like this Buddy Holly student. Mm -hmm. He was kind of greaser from El Paso. He had a band called the Bobby Fuller Four along with his brother. Biggest thing in El Paso. Obsessed with Buddy Holly. 
Um, in fact, they were so obsessed with Buddy Holly that they noticed on the back of one of Buddy's records that it said recorded at such and such Clovis, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. These guys, they, they got in the car and they went to the studio in New Mexico. Um, Norman, uh, who was the, the, Norman Petty, I think, was uh, Buddy Holly's producer. And they knocked and they said, hey, can we, can we look around? And he said, sure, kids. You know, and <laughs> he showed them the studio and the, the board and the mics and everything. And then he gave him a little lecture about the evils of the music business and that they should think about. It. And he said, "Okay." And so, buddy, uh, Bobby and his brother drove back to El Paso, and, and he was like, "Okay, we're gonna need a Neumann microphone. <laughs> we're gonna need some cement, some corrugated tin." And they went back to El Paso, and in their parents' house in the backyard, they built like a structure laid cement, put up walls, put a corrugated tin roof, and they built a reverb chamber. That's insane. They built a reverb chamber in their parents' they backyard. they reverb, I guess. Yeah, they were trying to figure out how Buddy Holly's record sounded so good. And there was no digital reverb at that Nothing. point. Nothing. Yeah, no Spring reverb, you know, maybe. So that's, maybe cr- yeah, so th- that's wild if yeah. you think about it. So, you know, yeah, they built a chamber. Is that you know? how they did it back then with chambers? Yeah, yeah. yeah like really? the Gold Star had a chamber that's kind of famous. Capitals that. got one mm-hmm. that's kind of famous. So when you hear Roy Orbison, you're hearing that chamber. They so pumped the, the reverb is real, like as what? opposed to digital reverb so where it's artificial. The... No, 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 no. So how does no, it work? No, no. You pump the music through a speaker, uh-huh. and then that, and then the speaker projects the music and then there's a microphone that picks it back at up the at the yeah. end of the chamber you can move the speaker closer to the mic you can you can adjust so it but after it's recorded yeah. they play it and then they re-record it yeah yeah wow they send it to that speaker through another microphone back into the to the mix you know just like any other effect crazy so they did this you know and and mm-hmm. they were obsessed and then they, they were the biggest thing in el paso so eventually they moved to la mm-hmm. you know after having a couple regional hits and that's when things got kind of interesting because they get to L.A. and it's like all about the Beach Boys and mm-hmm. Beetle Boots and bangs and there are these greasers from Texas, <laughs> you know, doing this kind of 50s music. Out of step. Out of step. And I thought, that's the story of my life right there. I'm out of step, you mm-hmm. know. And so I really you relate. You feel like that? I really relate to them, yeah. You feel like you're out of step? Always. Why? Yeah. I've just never been in tune with what's going on, you know. How do you uh, how do you mean? I mean, you're not doing mumble rap. Is that what you mean? I mean, a step I, ahead or a step I, behind. You know, I'm I'm out you're of carving step. out your own path. I mean, I wasn't. You know, when when grunge music was happening, I was completely. I, I mean, I couldn't tell you one thing about it. You mm-hmm. know, I probably haven't. You know, I don't know anything about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have any affinity for it. Right. You know. But then, how did Bobby? Why? So Bobby Fuller died well, outside of his mom's well, that's house that, in a car. Well, it's yeah. He he. Uh, that's why I call it California Noir because yeah. California Noir is that there's this promise of the Golden State, you know, that when you get there, whether it's Hollywood or whether it's you know the music business yeah. or whether it's Silicon Valley, uh, the reality, the dream. And the reality are like 180 degrees out of joint with each other. That's just like life. Yeah. So he gets to <laughs> so he gets to L.A. He and his brother and his band they are a bunch of greasers, mm-hmm. and um, you know uh, they're kind of out of step at the times. Things have moved on to the Beach Boys and and the Beatles and and uh, out of this kind of 50s music. But they they did record this song. Uh, I fought the law and the law won, and uh, it became kind of a classic. And just when it was climbing the charts. He was, uh, 
you know, by all accounts, found dead. Yeah, and and uh, but they never figured out how. I don't think there's any credible. Suicide, I don't think there's any credible evidence to anything other than it, it could not have. I, mean, I just don't see how it could have been a suicide. Oh, you without, think without getting into all the grisly yeah, yeah. You think details. it was a murder. People have theories, you know. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I heard you say. So, I heard you say that. Yeah, there's a, a bunch of different stories, but there's only one plot that nothing is as it seems. Absolutely, I stole that from Jim Thompson, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. which is great. I mean, that explains everything because you I know, love they, that. they asked Jim Thompson. They said, uh, you know, how did you write so many of these books? And because right. because they, the pulp fiction books were never going to be, you know great literature but they sold them in bus stops and they printed them on cheap paper you know and, and the more you could crank out you know the more money you could make and so uh you know he he was rumored to have had two typewriters just like <laughs> oh, really? cranking them out two at a time you know and they asked him how could you have done that and he said it's easy you know he said there's 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 a million stories to tell uh-huh. but there's only ever one plot and that's that things are never what they seem yeah so i love that Brilliant. things are never what they seem What's the Rosanna Arquette story? Oh, I can't, I can't oh, you share can't. that. What about Jim yeah. Dickinson? Yeah, uh, you worked with him, right? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, he famously produced Big Star. Yeah, I mean, we worked with them before. I mean, we worked with them, and then the replacements worked with them after that, and kind of you know put yeah. them back on the map a little bit. But yeah, I mean, he was a great influence on me. I mean, it's Seems hard for it's hard to begin to really you know express that. But right. one one thing he did do was that he was you know adamant that that you know we should never let anybody make us feel bad about what we're doing oh yeah yeah is that just in in life and in music and in everything yeah what did he say you know don't don't let these guys make you feel bad about what you're doing why were they making you feel bad well you know we we were we were navigating all that stuff where the right. com- the company felt this way and somebody else felt that way and yeah he's like just be yourself man yeah you know? and so it takes somebody to instill that in you, you know? I mean, yeah. he, you know, I, I often just, you know, there's, it's interesting. You should bring up Jim Dickinson because, you know, I produced some records and Dickinson once described his experience with Sam Phillips. He was, Jim Dickinson was one of the last guys to record a couple singles for Sun Records. Right, got mentioned. And it was called right. Cadillac Man and I think there was another single. And, um, he said, yeah, he said, it's hard to explain, but when Sam was on the other side of the glass, you wanted to please him. Right. You know? Now, where does that come from? I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Elvis wanted to please him. Yeah. He went, you know, and and uh, and and that's the way I felt about Jim Dickinson, and yeah. I feel about certain producers. That, that's the way T-Bone Burnett made me feel. Yeah, same, well, same yeah, well, yeah sure. That, that goes a long way. It does. Yeah. Did you want to please Kenny? <laughs> at times, yeah, yeah, at times. Yeah, Kenny does have a little of that yeah. going on. Yeah, at times, yeah. Yeah, it's. I think it's to do with like the passion the the other the person feels. Like if you feel it from their heart, that you know their hearts in it, you want to meet them at that place. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I mean, I, like, I, like I said when we started, I'm not a one man show. You know, I don't have right. a studio, and oh, I got my favorite yeah. mic, and you know. So I mean, yeah. I'm trying to learn stuff. You know. Yeah. And. Uh, What's the meaning of life? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, <laughs> yeah, I'm not your guy. I'm fishing. I'm not your guy. <laughs> Throwing the rod in the water. I'm not your guy there. for that. No, no meaning. <laughs> what about you, Ahood? Uh, you got any I, final I questions for two, Chuck? Two questions. Okay. Uh, two parter. Has one has nothing to do with the other. One that whole concept that you said about stuff that's real and and stuff that's not is that like a like Temple Beautiful a couple albums ago. Uh, was all about San Francisco. Yeah, like talk about ode, San Francisco. An ode to your town and yeah. about how it's not the real San Francisco or the or what is the real San Francisco. Well, there's 37 right. different Versions. San Francisco's. Same with and New they, York. And they Same all kind of overlap, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, for me personally, it's it's been my education. You know, we talked about, I grew up in a nowhere place in Orange County. And, and then when my family moved up North, uh, you know, I was 16 and, and, uh, I tuned into, uh, Calex radio broadcast out of Berkeley. And, uh, there was a show called the maximum rock and roll show. And they were like, yeah, we got a show coming up this weekend at the temple on Gary Boulevard. We got the mentors, we got black flag. I said, I, I'm I'm going, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, and so, you know, San Francisco. I mean that I mean that night I saw the Mentors, I saw Wall of Voodoo. They didn't have a record out or anything, mm -hmm. and it was incredible. I mean, here's this band, they, they no drummer, they had like a like 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 grandma's organ, you know, drum machine, and then every once in a while, you know, every once in a while, a guy would. Hit a trash can lid, yeah. you know, and 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 um, and Stan Ridgeway, you know, was just stalking the stage in this kind of Jimmy Cagney, you know, radio, radio, and it was just a guy playing surf guitar. I can remember all of it, you know. I remember every guy playing like a Jaguar through a reverb tank, and uh, every band was completely different that night. You know, yeah. the Mentors came out and they had executioner hoods. Uh, they made me uncomfortable, I, right. but they were wild, you know. Uh, uh, they were, you know punk rock and uh uh every band that night you know they were completely different uh and then as i like to tell the story that uh at three o'clock in the morning these guys came out on stage they were wearing like beetle boots and they had the carnegie street suits and their guitars up high you know and mm -hmm. and uh and 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 you know it was probably about 150 punk rockers in there. Like half of them just looked at these guys and just what left. You know, they, <laughs> they just left. And I stayed. You know, I was just like right on the stage. You know, and uh, the guitar player. You know, he was looking at me, and I was looking at him, looking at me. You know, looking at him. And uh, how was I to know? You know, ten years later, I'd be over at that guy's apartment buying coke. You know? <laughs> 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 that band was the Flaming Groovies, right? Wow. And yeah, so everybody that and the, the, my point was that everybody was completely different. So San Francisco, to me, you know, has been an education. You know, music and the arts, and you know, I used to work with that comedian Barry Sobel. Mm. Uh, it was probably my first paying gig, you know. And, and what'd you uh, do with him? Uh, he, I just played guitar on a couple songs. He would do a couple songs at the end. You oh, know? Okay. He would do like a Mick Jagger, and that's kind of what got you started. Yeah, it was like, you know, in, in many ways, yeah. First time on it was the first professional gig, really. Um, I, I mean, yeah. And, you know, there's the sexes and, you know, I mean, we have all progressive politics. And, you know, I, as soon as I moved there, Jell B. Offer was running for mayor. And people in our 
San Francisco Chronicle, you know, our main paper and the and the nightly local news. I and mean, they gave him some play, you right. know. They gave Jello some airtime. Yeah. And and he had well, this he's a kind smart of, guy. I mean Yeah, he was entertaining and he had those yeah. kind of yippie politics and you know, he he wanted to build a statue downtown of Dan White and we would make the money to pay for it by selling tomatoes to throw at it. And he had some great ideas, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and like, again, again, like the Iggy story, I'm just looking at the television thinking like, what do I got to do to hang out with guys like this? Right. Yeah. You know? So, so San Francisco and, you know, we have, you know, North beach and city lights and, uh, uh, gosh, I'm, you know, leaving so much out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's a place where, you know, it's just, I learned everything, you know, yeah. and I've worked with filmmakers and, all the things. Maybe you feel that way about young boy from Ohio like yourself. Yeah. yeah. You know, maybe you feel that way about New York in some ways. It's true. I do. Right? Yeah. It's hard to, yeah, put your head around it. I've lived here for almost 25 years now. So it's like, I don't know. I, it's just my home now, you know? Yeah. But but you're from Ohio. I'm from Ohio. Yeah. Yeah, zero to 18. Yeah. In Ohio. I lived in Cleveland for three years as a oh, child. Oh, you did? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't like when people, you know, call it a flyover state. Or yeah, I don't like that. No, you know, well, tell Ohio, it to Chrissy Hine. You get a vegan boot up your ass. Tell that to AA. Yeah, AA was invented there. Bill W's. Bill W oh. and Robert, Doctor Bob. You know, I mean, it, he Bill, it, Bill W was coming from New York on a business trip. He 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 didn't live there. Right. Doctor Bob lived there, and, and then he, he had his moment of clarity. And that yeah, and they had it in Ohio. So anyway, I just feel like Akron has some special ju- kind of juju. Well, absolutely. You know, Ohio. Yeah. And, you know, I went you, back recently. You go back to Perubu and stuff, and, you know, it's hard to say yeah. where the cradle of civilization, you know, where it started. Mm-hmm. Also, um, it's the Liverpool of America. Absolutely. And, and another thing that's interesting, you know, coming from San Francisco, which has, you know, been dragged into the same money pit yeah. that New York was dragged into yeah, yeah. Or, or London or whatever. Um, you know, I, I learned recently that I was talking to somebody uh, who's a really involved with the San Francisco Symphony and Michael Tilson Thomas, and and they said, well, you know, I mean, we've got a good little symphony. We're no Cleveland, right? And uh, yeah, and and you know, they, they they've tried repeatedly to steal away talent from Cleveland, and mm-hmm. it's like, no, no. If only the Browns could get it together. Yeah, that that, that might take some time. That, <laughs> apparently, it's just never going to happen. But because yeah. I've been waiting since I was eight. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's been a while now. Don't give up. <laughs> yeah, who, who else is from Cleveland? Joe Estras. The... <clears throat> the Black Keys went to my high school. Oh, oh, is that right? Chrissy Hine, Rachel Sweet. Oh, I remember Rachel Sweet. Devo, of course. Yeah, you know, Para Ubu. Yeah, Guided by Voices. Um, the Rubber City Rebels. The Rubber See, City Rebels. See, I got Rebels. some skills. That's oh, skills, dude. That's funny. Huh? Yeah, yeah. And then maybe uh, one of those misguided punk bands. Um, the Dead Boys, right? Dead Boys. Yeah, great. I don't know. I unfortunately, had the, unfortunately, they, unfortunately, they sometimes performed in Nazi uniforms or whatever. It was kind of tasteless, but mm. they had some good songs. Mm-hmm. The Dead yeah. Boys. Nazi uniforms aside. Well, yeah, you, you know, it's... That was back then. Yeah, it's I mean, like... People can't imagine how, like, back then that was kind of offensive. 
Now that would be like just like it would, and even talking about it, our careers are almost over. Just even mentioning, yeah. Google says but, they're from Cleveland. They're yeah, from okay, Cleveland. dead boys. Yeah, but yeah. The great but back songs. then it was just like, oh look, that's kind of like yeah. you know. Back then people just did wild shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm not defending it. Everybody calm down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's hilarious. It's bullshitting. You know? It's fine. It's hilarious. <laughs> You know, yeah. I mean, I'm more of a sort of a Girl Scout uniform kind of guy. You know, that's even more <laughs> twisted. <laughs> that's your album cover. Yeah, Chuck Provent in a Girl Scout uniform. What makes a great song to you? Um, well, th- that's that. You know, I have my rhetoric for all that. I mean, I think that any work of art, whether it's you know, you know. Your a breakfast, you know, your breakfast cereal or a painting or whatever. I, I think, or a song or a poem or whatever. I th- I'd say it would be the one that you want to hear again. You know, mm. and I mean, I know that like it doesn't. You know that there's a lot of ideas out there. It's mm-hmm. our cheapest commodity. You know, ideas. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of ideas out there, and there's a lot of people that can craft it together. You know, you can pull a chord progression out. Um, but the third thing is the you know the mystery, the magic. I don't, what is it that makes you return to something mm-hmm. more than something else? You know, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I like that though. It bears repeating. But what is what makes it great? I yeah, can, I mean, I yeah, well, in other words, you get to the end of the side. You know, mm-hmm. you're getting ready to go to school or whatever you do, and you get to the end of the side of that record, and you just put the needle back to the top. What's the last song by somebody else you heard that you thought was great? Oh, man, I can't tell you right now. I mean, I can't tell Bob you. Bob Dylan live earlier Yeah, today. that's that's kind of <laughs> it, you know. Love yeah. in Vain, Robert Johnson. Love in Vain. Yeah. When the train pulled out of the station, it had two lights. The blue light was my blues and the red light was my mind. <laughs> what is that Right on Robert Johnson, man. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't really get better than that. I don't think so. No. Speaking of Robert Johnson, <laughs> the other question I wanted to ask you was about Garland Jeffries. Oh, sure. Um, and the first time that I saw you, he came on stage with you years ago, and you just played his, when unfortunately he retired and played City Winery, and you were at that last show. How did your relationship with him start, and just anything about Garland? Well, I I knew of him a little bit, you know, back in the seventies or eighties, you know, and then I I did I saw him on Letterman, and uh, um, you know, he had worked on that. I saw him on Letterman doing a song called Coney Island Winter, and I thought, oh man, this is just great television, you know, this is exciting. And um, we had a couple mutual friends, so he came out to see us, and then we invited him up to do a couple songs, and we. Yeah, it's such a good time. We made plans like, oh, we'll do a tour together. And eventually, a couple of years later, we did do like half a dozen dates in California. We love Garland, you know. Um, I mean, he's Lou Reed's best friend. He um, I met him through Lou, and he, you know, he he goes back to this doo-wop tradition. You know, mm-hmm. he's a, he's the poet laureate of Sheep's Head Bay, big-hearted guy. Just uh, singing to Garland is like breathing, you know. Just one of those guys, and uh, some great songs like "Wild in the Streets," which is a great little record too. Yeah, and, and so we love the Rolling Stones rip it off. Well, I don't know, you know. 
something like that. I don't that. know. I thought Bruce ripped it off or something. Somebody ripped yeah. it off. <laughs> I can't remember what it is. He's got credit with a lot yeah. of uh, Yeah. I mean, it's a great song. And New it's York a, Skyline. And it's a great record, Wild in the Streets. Mm-hmm. I think Dr. John's band's on there. and It's just it's just cool, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we were lucky enough to play with him. And then, uh, yeah, people, what people don't know, he, I, I always tease him. He was, you know, college roommates with Lou Reed. And I'm like, Garland, who swept the floor? And with whom? and i think lou loved it i think in many ways i don't know i feel like lou saw something in garland that he could never have you know that's interesting i got to hang out with both of them oh that's great i know that a couple cases i I know that that you had a a, a pretty good relationship with with uh that prickly mother with lou (laughs) yeah yeah i had there was a period of time when we were we were we were bros because you told me one of the greatest things i love him you you told me one of the greatest things yeah you know you told me that yeah lou you know we went out on bike rides he wanted to get a new basket for his bike or (laughs) he wanted to get a new seat you want to get a new seat so you go out and and then (laughs) yeah and then and then and then and then lou got all irritable because his ipod wasn't working well and then i went down the wrong way down a one way and he was like don't go down wrong way." it was like (laughs) so so funny bike ride through the city yes yeah. Yeah. So you told me that 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 you said you know Lou you got to reboot these things sometimes and you fix this iPod and I said, I said so you were holding like Lou Reed's iPod in your hand. And, and, Van and, and yeah, that was it. I said, I said, yeah. I said what would you know? I said, I said uh, wh- it shocked me. I yeah, was like, I said what was on there and you said. Well, the second Van Halen record. I mean, the one with 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 you're no good and yeah. <laughs> you know, not enough people appreciate that record, man. Yeah, but so, it kind of makes sense because of the just how much he loved guitar playing and so sound and yeah. sound. But yeah, I, we were at the bike shop, and by the time we got to the bike shop, it was going to take ten minutes. I was like, dude, I gotta go. And it's like funny things like that where I think like, man, you know, doing? like you know, <laughs> but and then he ended up. Getting the seat and going back and replay and putting back the old seat again. Oh, of course, like, yeah. it was like, of course, it was yeah. just like, of course, you know, it like, it's like a fuzz pedal. And it was one. Yeah, of the, I think I'm going to go back to the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like whatever, you know, right? Like, just a day, you know, that needs to be like a reality show. Yeah, yeah. Well, me and Joseph's going to go down and get a new seat. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'll know. never forget that. It's. It's interesting the way this life moves on, and then when and when people pass away, and you think back at little stories like that, and how in the even, well, Lou understood that. I mean, he yeah. was the master of the mundane. You yeah. know, here we are, um, and we're talking about a bicycle seat. You know, I mean, it's yeah, it, 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 human. It, it makes Lou like human. It's like he's here. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he. Yeah, well, you know, but it's he, that stuff. He was. Yeah. Yeah. He was, yeah. It was interesting. It's the, Ride, riding with Lou. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the, the bike he had was a Brompton, one of the fold-up bikes. And I had... Oh, I remember those. I yeah. still see those. And I had a single speed, like... Uh, oh, you were you were some kind of fixed gear... I was gear, being a fixed gear hipster uh, at Fixed that point. gear, one microphone, purist, weirdo. I was no be, brakes. I, I was being that guy. No oh, breaks. God. Yeah. yeah, I was that guy. And then... Uh, so Where did that start? Who knows? I mean, I was a bike messenger. I got into it. I got into it. I'm not that guy anymore. I have like okay. a, I have a. Is Lou wearing know. a helmet? I don't even know. I could, that's a good question. I probably. Did he have a bell? Probably. Yeah, those Bromptons are nice. They have, they have bells. Nice stuff. They have the bells and the whistles. <laughs> I mean, could you see Lou like on the, like on the subway with his fold-up bike? I don't think he. I, I never saw him on the subway, but, but he was did, on the fold-up bike. 
And it was one time me, Garland, and Luz went to Jimmy Scott to go see Jimmy mm. Scott at, at uh, Little Jimmy Scott. Little Jimmy Scott. We saw him at the Blue Note, and uh, yeah, the you know it's interesting because Little Jimmy Scott's gone now. And Luke, I saw Little Jimmy Luke's Scott. I saw Little, little Jimmy Scott. Tom Waits was in the house. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I got to meet him. You know, and Lou just loved him. Yeah, you know, he loved that doo-wop. You know, yeah. I mean, we love, we all love the music that hit us do, at do, a certain do, age. Do, 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 do. Yeah, the doo-wop or whatever hit us. About at making a, a doo-wop record. Um, well, I work a lot with the. I work. I did get to work with a band called the Ruvenus, and mm-hmm. they sing. They do a lot of group singing. You know, like. Beach Boys yeah. uh, inspired four part harmonies and they'll and live they'll do um some acapella stuff, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And and it's it's like it's really the only thing that really completely tickles my monkey bone. You know, I can't explain yeah. it. It's like yeah. <laughs> we're so we've become so cynical about the process of making records, you know, you're in there and somebody's just like, they're, just, they're always slapping the space bar like, hey, can you not do that? You know, and then you know, people can time correct and they can pitch correct things and mm-hmm. it makes us cynical about new records. Yeah. You know what I mean? But when you hear like four guys around one microphone blending and, and the perfect and in tune, I'm telling you, man, it's... It's something. It's... Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, yeah, I've worked a lot with that band, The Rubenews. I spent about a year working with them and produced a record and co-wrote all the songs with their guitar player, Tommy Dunbar. And they were, they were a band that I saw a lot when I was in high school. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So you manifested that. Yeah. Are you working on any, any projects now with any other sort of collaboration things going on or is the new record just what your focus is now i mean i'm kind of in that place where i'm having to gather all the parts you know make a video and Mm -hmm. and i'm just trying to enjoy it you know yeah all the rhetoric that goes along the all the propaganda that goes along with the release of a new record yeah i mean they they were asking me you know what's the story chuck what's the story you know i said they always want a story I'm like, well, and I appreciate that because I, you know, I'm a fan of the myth as well. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's there's it's more than a story. It's a, you know, it's it's all in the songs and the songs are more than the story and the stories. But you know, maybe you need the story to get people to listen to the songs. Yeah, that's what right. You need so, you need the story. So it's a but the story is you and Kenny at Old Soul fighting each other. That's a great story. It, okay, fine. I like that story. Yeah. That's well, it funny. is a culture clash. Don't text me unless you would text it to Bob Dylan. That should be the first line in your fucking bio, dude. That's okay, great. That's, okay, good. <laughs> that's gold, dude. Well, I mean, I mean, I did go. I mean, I mean, I did start the record in the money belt, right? And I finished it in the borscht belt. Uh-huh. So there's that's, that. There it is. That's you know? line number two. But in terms of what I'm doing now, I mean, I, I'm on vacation, man. I'm just yeah. out playing. You know, yeah. I mean, for me, it's 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 a total joyride. You know, I mean, yeah. I think like the guys in my band are probably like, oh god, we're gonna be gone a long time. I'm like, hey, at least I'm not working on a record. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, wherever I go, people are happy to see me. I'm, you know, drinking coffee with Joseph Arthur. It's, yeah. You know. Life's not bad. It's all good. It's all good. That's the way to keep your perspective. You be being grateful. Yeah. 
But that's hard work for a lot of people. I mean, be, I, I, yeah. I mean, boo-hoo. Like, you know, go to Africa and, you know, and, you know, you know take a dump in a mud hole. And, I mean, what is wrong with you, you know? Oh, my God. I mean, you know, just how privileged we are, you right. know, and how, you know. Well, easy yeah, things have come to us. That's true, but the, the mind is, you know, a predator. You know, the mind the mind can bamboozle people into, you know, there is that there is that yin and the yang. There is the like you were saying on the elevator up uh, Eminem thing with devil on the shoulder. I love that you, song. Yeah. And it's like so we, <laughs> so sometimes if you if sometimes the devil will go on a run. Sure. And and it will seem like the truth. Sure. <laughs> You know, yeah. You should and check out Faust. You'd like that. He'll trip yeah. you up, you know. And yeah. Then you gotta, then you gotta like beat the devil again. But sometimes, if you've been focusing on the devil and the devil's been seeming like the truth for a while, it's hard to get back over on that other shoulder. Yeah, that well, that was the Eminem song where right. the devil was on one shoulder and then Dre was well, Dre was, <laughs> Dre was the, the, angel the angel, or, yeah. yeah. And then and yeah. the devil was t- the guy came home from work and he found his wife. In bed with, uh-huh. and 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 Dre is the angel. He says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, man! Yeah, yeah. Wait a minute, man! Maybe there's an explanation for this shit." Yeah. And then the other guys, what? He 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 tripped. She tripped and fell, landed on his dick. <laughs> 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 and then, and now you've got the conflict. You know, mm-hmm. you're 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 into the you're into the movie. You're you're you yeah. know, you want to see what's going to happen next. Yeah, yeah. I mean, geez, Eminem. There's Eminem. somebody that's great. I, I mean, I mean, there's somebody new, that's great. His I new song, Godzilla, is. Uh, over the top great i, I mean, look forward I, to checking that out it's unbelievable like uh he's i don't know man he's unbelievable yeah he always I'm has big been fan. yeah me too but i'm also a big fan of chuck prophet so oh. i'm excited for your new record man well thanks what's man. it gonna be called it's called uh, the land that time forgot the land that time forgot i like that where'd you come up with that it just picked itself it was a song and it, it just kind of okay. floated to the top you know yeah What's, where is it in the running order? Because on your last album, Bobby Fuller, it starts with Bobby Fuller. It's it starts with a song called "Best Shirt On." Okay, yeah, and there's no other place for that song well, to go on the record. It's, when when does the title appear in the record? Um, well, it's not a title of a song. The land of the time forgot. Yeah, but is it a lyric in something? Yeah, it, it appears in, in in High as Johnny Thunder. So where I don't know. It could be song number four. Perhaps. Okay. I always just—it's always interesting to me. I always like to look for when the title appears. I yeah. Like, I don't know why I like that. Well, I love sequencing. I mean, yeah. I mean, I like it when it's over. Sometimes, yeah. You know? <laughs> but there's a million ways ten songs can go. You know, and yeah. then, and it, it's, it can mess with your mind because you know you know there's really only one right way. Right. Yeah. But nowadays people like make their own. Who cares what people do? I don't I'm not making it for them, you know. (laughs) My life's gonna change, you know, Uh with this record. I know it. It probably will. It's gonna make up for all the stupid shit. Hell yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna redeem everything. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. That's why we do it. That is the beauty of it. It's the great American dream. Dream, you know, that you'll make that record that's that's timeless, you know. Yeah. I mean and it's fun to pursue that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. What else are we gonna do here? Yeah. You know. Take naps. Well, I'm I consider naps. that a reward. Yeah. Take <laughs> you know? naps and pursue the. Great you know, after you ride your dream. bike around the block. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nap time. <laughs> <laughs>
Chuck, thanks for doing Thank this, you, man. Thank you, Chuck. You're, oh, you're, I love you. I love you too. No, I do. I love you, and we've always uh, um, hit it off and you, never run out of things to talk about. You to me are like that sort of. Uh, brother that i always want to impress or something like you have that energy and air to you you know like well, that's you know. sweet i always yeah. you know i always uh, wanted a brother yeah. i i have three sisters yeah and stephanie has told me more than once yeah and that's why you think you're so fucking great yeah well you are pretty you are pretty fucking great dude <laughs> And, there's worth uh, li- there's worse lies and have a great gig tonight in thanks uh, in I look Jersey. forward to it that's gonna be a good one yeah i love that place thanks. follow chuck on all the social medias at chuck profit yeah Dot All right. Or people net. are pretty smart. Yeah, people yeah. can figure it out. People are pretty smart. They, um, they the last it. thing I want to do is have that banner by me. <laughs> www.chuckprofit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like that offends the <laughs> shit <laughs> out. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I mean, I grew up. I, I, I love John Hyatt. You know, and I, I love John Hyatt, and he's also very dark. You know, and 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 just mm-hmm. great. Um, but I did play a gig, gig with him. It's probably like. 15 years ago now mm-hmm. in Portland and behind the stage there was like a banner that said www.johnhyatt.com I'm like I'm out come on dad <laughs> it's like it's like well first of all we're we're here yeah I mean yeah. get the we, word we already gotta, figured it gotta out. get the word out like no we already we're here we're, yeah. you don't need you don't need you know to direct us we're, yeah. we're here you need to get those other people yeah you know that's and That's so funny. Uh, it's funny. It is funny. Yeah. Mission Express. That's the name of your band, yeah. too. Yeah. With your wife, Stephanie. Yeah. Well, great. Oh, great band. I mean, Named James, after James, the bus, right? That bus line runs through bus my line. neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. Uh, James DePredo, great mm-hmm. guitar player from Norco, California. Uh, just a, just a, he knows more guitar than, than you'll ever know. And uh, Kevin T. White. Bass, Vicente Rodriguez on drums for the last few years, who really made it a band. And uh, I love those guys. And, you know, I'm talking about gratitude. You know, they they suspend whatever goes on in their lives to go out and drive around in a van like a bunch of buffoons. Like a bunch of rock bunch and roll of, superstars. Yeah, there you go. You know. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you, Chuck. That's Chuck uh, Prophet episode. Maybe 72, maybe 73. Maybe 72, maybe 73. Thanks, like I bro. said, a fact checker would have been nice. It's been a fucking joy. We're, we're working on it. All we're right. working on it. All right. All right. See y'all later. Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. <laughs>